Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So the, this is the second of our experiment, Connor. Two episodes now done remotely by Zoom. Um, I think the first one did, went pretty well. I'm, I'm optimistic that this actually, we don't have to actually shoot daggers at each other in the same room. Or give working? COVID to one another in the same room. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. I'm I, I got COVID several weeks ago, and I'm coming out of it feeling a lot better. But uh, what the heck? Uh, better uh, safe than sorry. And speaking of COVID, um, before we get uh, into the, the rundown of uh, what topics we're going to get into, I saw something interesting in the news just today. Um, Chris, when his podcast airs, it's it's going to be a little bit in people's rearview mirror. But a trial court judge, Connor, in New York City has ruled that all the folks, 1,400 people, firefighters, cops, others who lost their jobs because they refused to get vaccinated, mm-hmm. they're now reinstated with back pay. Good God. And it's weird because the judge came out and said, you know what, uh, I don't see any evidence that, uh, that uh, taking the vaccination um, prevents you from getting it or uh, reduces the chance of transmission. And that's just wrong. I mean, I'm no doctor, but I read what the doctors say and I read what the CDC says. Yeah. And it absolutely reduces the chance of getting it and it reduces the severity if you do get it and it cuts the chance of transmission. So I'm guessing the appellate courts in New York are not going to take too much time to reject this. But I I agree. I think they probably will. I think this is an example of of uh, unfortunately yet another example of a judge with strong political opinions who's probably influenced by uh, people with bad you know uh, wrong beliefs about about uh, medicine um, who is selectively cherry picking examples of of uh, credible I mean, no, no guarantee he's going to credible sources at all, but he could make this argument by going to credible sources who have said, uh, well, yes, it, it reduces severity of disease, but you can still get it. Uh, and taking that out of context um, to basically uh, cast aspersions on the concept of vaccines uh, in total, which is the standard anti-vaxxer playbook. The horrifying reality is that judges... Uh, turns out are human beings and they have political opinions and they often make the wrong decision. Uh, and we just have to reply on, uh, I mean, uh, rely on the courts of appeals reversing the guy. Uh, but it certainly sets a sets a bad precedent, sends it literally sends a bad message 
Um, well, that, and it, uh, the one message that it sends that, that is bad is that you don't don't bother following the law, right? Uh, because it turns out the judge is going to change the law. And <laughs> yeah, it's just very weird. All right, so uh, what's on uh, the docket here for too many lawyers today? Uh, as usual, we're going to have a human interest issue, and the human interest topic has to do with legalization of marijuana. It looks like it's uh, advancing uh, on the federal level. We're not quite there, but it's uh, uh, it's certainly on the docket for the Biden administration. Uh, in terms of our big topics, uh, number one, was it possible to pick a fair jury in the Harvey Weinstein trial? The trial is grinding away. Um, you know, does anybody really believe that the 12 people picked are, are going to say, oh, you know, I'm just going to set aside everything. I All preconceived notions about Harvey Weinstein would be totally fair. Well, Maybe we'll see. Topic number two, misclassification. The big fight over whether somebody should be deemed a, an employee versus an independent contractor. The federal government is uh, getting involved and the Department of Labor is weighing in definitely on one side of that debate. And finally, we're going to talk about the new Karen ordinance up in Berkeley. Uh, the Karen ordinance is if you call 911 and uh, it sounds like uh, to the powers that be, like a judge or a jury, that you're a racist. Well, you violated Berkeley's Karen ordinance, and uh, you're going to get an additional penalty beyond what you would have gotten because of the racist uh, overtone or undertone of your call. And finally, of course, we're going to end the episode with America's favorite game show, Guess the Verdict, where Connor guesses the outcome of a case. And I'll give you a little tease here, Connor. It's the case of the peculiar insanity defense. Now, that doesn't help much, but uh, it, huh. it should, should be a good one. So uh, stick Can't around wait. to the end of the episode for that. So um, human interest, uh, a lot of people are interested in the issue of uh, legalization of marijuana. Of course. Uh, the Biden administration sounds like they're trying to put their toe in the water, but I, I'm kind of skeptical. I think that it's still such uh, a political uh, kryptonite. Uh, across a, a big chunk of the country, I would think big Democrats would be reluctant to take that step. The, the irony of, is, of course, it, the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse has come out with some interesting statistics, Connor. 15 million Americans are alcoholics, about 5% uh, of adults. 95%, I'm sorry, 95,000 Americans die every year from alcohol-related causes, whether it's liver disease or heart disease or stroke, cancer, hypertension, including 10,000 driving fatalities. Total of what alcohol abuse costs the U.S., $249 billion. Now let's shift to the other side of the ledger. The number of marijuana deaths, apparently it's zero. Is to, the doctors have determined you would need to smoke 650 joints a day to overdose. <laughs> okay, now that would talk about you know. <laughs> I had some friends smoker where you light one camel with the camel that's about to go out. I had some friends in college who got close, but <laughs> 600 joints a day. It's a it's a bold goal, and we should all reach for the stars. But I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. The chance of having an automobile accident if you're smoking dope, it does go up. Uh, people, the, the, the conventional wisdom is they're super cautious. Well, you can overdo that. It does go up 83%. Now, would you like to know uh, the percentage increase of a chance for an auto accident if you're, if you're drinking alcohol? 2,200%. Yeah. So given all of these factoids... <sighs> What's what's the excuse? How is it just well, they're not going to like it in Alabama and we don't want to piss off the Alabamians. So we're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? 
Yeah. I mean, it, that's not the only thing, right? The That's the very high level. <clears throat> uh, well, it would go over badly politically where it might only appeal to people who are already voting for us. But in truth, it won't only appeal to people who are already voting uh, liberal uh, or Democrats specifically. In fact, uh, legalization of marijuana is very uh, popular across the aisle compared to uh, other important topics that there is a lot of contention on. This is actually an opportunity for Democrats uh, or you know, leftists and liberals broadly to reach across the aisle and to talk to people like yourself um, who are libertarian uh, or just sort of uh, less trusting of government broadly uh, to say, yeah, we should force the government out of our lives uh, in this context <clears throat> is certainly an opportunity to reap electoral benefits. This isn't even a worry of just, well, we're going to lose Alabama. Guess what? Democrats aren't going to win Alabama. So how the heck does it matter, right? The yeah. real question is, uh, why haven't they done it? Uh, what are the underlying reasons other than electoral outcomes that are keeping them away from it? And in my mind, there are many uh, possible impediments. Uh, broadly, though, um, <clears throat> being tough on crime is uh, a vague a uh, widely misunderstood concept where voters uh, are usually persuaded by uh, politicians who uh, appeal to tough on crime policy or crackdowns because there's always generally a conservative narrative as every election approaches or even you know not an election but just an important political controversy approaches um, every time there's a local municipal budget uh, hearing uh, the the concept uh, of a crime wave or a crime spree is re-raised, and, and it's all part of the way that law enforcement uh, constantly reminds the public that the world is scary and dangerous, and you desperately need law enforcement, cops, uh, and, and and their and their toys, uh, their their machine guns and their tanks that they want to roll down your street. That's the only thing, the thin blue line standing between you and anarchy. And it's the same problem. If you if you take away any tools, if you take away the cops' tanks or their machine guns, and you force them to take to use, God forbid, just pistols and batons. Oh no! What will happen? The 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 criminals will overrun your suburb if the cops only have pistols and don't have tanks. What are you well, going to do? I, I hear you. You may thing. be right about the crime angle, but don't you think that just like gay marriage, you just sort of got ahead of steam, and then all of a sudden. Blamo. I mean, every everybody was on board. I really what do we have? We have same, what though. twenty or twenty three states already have legalized marijuana, and a lot of them the, the big population states. So, True. are people going to see that differently as opposed to you know rape and assault and, and and murder in terms of you know you're either tough on crime or not? I don't think there are too many people that care about uh, criminalizing a possession of marijuana. There's virtually nobody in federal prison uh, because of possession of marijuana, isn't it? Isn't it kind of right? for the same kind of phenomenon we saw with gay marriage? It, it seems like it should be, but I really think it's not because taking away uh, this tool from law enforcement to harass and imprison uh, people that they don't like is too uh, big an ask. 
the law enforcement is a massively powerful lobby group and political action group. Um, it, it, it is, you know, has connections to the military. It has connections to people in government, of course, are mem- often members of law enforcement, even if they're not uniformed cops. All of them like the idea that law enforcement has more power and more discretion. And the more things are illegal and therefore the more things you can be arrested for, the more power law enforcement has. And taking away, it's just, it's the same argument, just like we have uh, the British Museum says, uh, well, um, we can't give back one historical artifact because then effectively we lose the moral uh, standing to say that we should keep any of these stolen, looted more, uh, uh, artifacts in the British Museum. We'd have to give it all back to Africa and Asia and South America, uh, these areas from which we've essentially looted and stolen uh, the artifacts. It's it's a dam that may break. Gay marriage didn't have any dam breaking uh, you know, potential that would sap law enforcement and, and, and drug enforcement agencies of their power to police uh, the, the American populace. How about it's gay cake- wedding cakes? Uh, was there a dam breaking for gay wedding cakes? <laughs> yeah, you're going to have just rampant wedding cakes in wild rainbow colors. And it, it's anarchy in the streets. But if you get rid of if you get rid of marijuana uh, uh, criminalization, uh, you are forced to confront the, the realities that taking what are you know illegal drugs, illegal substances, is not morally ra- bad or wrong. It doesn't make you a bad person. It shouldn't make you a criminal. It doesn't even make you uh, an unproductive member of society. There's really no connection between being a drug user and being a productive member of society, whether it be uh, tobacco, alcohol, uh, caffeine, or meth. It's that when often when people are not productive members of society or happy and functioning and well-adjusted, they often turn to and resort to substances, but not always. So there's really no connection on either end. It's so, not so positive it's... or a result. So you, you just have this difficult problem of saying, well, what if we have to reckon with the reality that people's lives shouldn't be policed on this level and that Royal Oaks is correct, that the government should get their hands off my marijuana and my tobacco and my crack pipe. And we have to let people live their lives and recognize that policing them over their use of substances is not actually making them happier, healthier humans, not actually making our society better, not actually reducing crime. Instead, we might have to decide what really should be a crime, what really is a disease and needs help and assistance and to pour those millions that we have in law enforcement. Sorry, did I say millions? I meant billions that we have spent for years on law enforcement for to fight the war on drugs and to spend that on actually solving the ills of society. Well, That's speaking, the damn break. Speaking of uh, drug users, if anybody has heard uh, my dog barking in the background, uh, he's a drug user. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's been, we we've, been giving him him, him. we've been giving him prednisone because he had an uh, infection. And so he's, he's oh, better. Poor, poor guy. He gained 35 pounds. He is now <laughs> 175 pounds. So when he barks... Whoa. I, I, I'm not going to complain. I mean, basically, whatever he wants, he gets. See, that <laughs> is the real downside of drug use. If you legalize marijuana, we're all going to gain 35 pounds. When we come back, uh, did the Harvey Weinstein trial uh, produce a fair jury? Uh, we're going to return in just a moment here on Jimmy Williams. This is... 
Buckle up, folks. The Car Pro Show podcast is here to rescue you from the doldrums of everyday life. And you can find it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast cravings take you. What do we have here, Doctor? Looks like yet another case of the Car Pro Show podcast giddies. Do you concur? I concur. And it's spreading like wildfire. I know, but the podcast is so powerful. Jerry and Kevin dish out all the juicy car news from the Car Pro Friends universe. They review and chat about the latest car lineups from all the big players in the industry. And they take live calls to help steer car buyers in the right direction. It's highly addictive and impossible to shake. Do we alert the press? Are you crazy? If more people discover the Car Pro Show podcast and its cornucopia of car curriculum, this thing will spiral out of control. <laughs> Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast desires take you. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com <laughs> Too many lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, downtown Los Angeles, Criminal Courts Building, they're on Temple Street, ninth floor, two big high-profile trials going at once. Two they, for the they, price they, of one. Yeah, they always put they put the OJ trial there. They, they put uh, um, uh, the, the big ones there because of the increased security on the ninth floor. So, Harvey Weinstein is on trial uh, for rape, for sexual abuse. He was convicted of uh, those crimes in New York uh, a year or two ago, sentenced to, I think, 23 years in prison. Um, and so people said, oh, well, why bother, you know, waste all our tax dollars? He's, you know, the guy's going to die in prison anyway. Well, guess what? The appellate court in New York is thinking about reversing his conviction oh, because the trial goodness. judge allowed several pattern and practice witnesses, women who would supposedly show a modus operandi by Harvey Weinstein. And the Court of Appeal didn't like that, just like the Bill Cosby argument that he right. won on a different argument, but he made the same point. So it's possible, maybe unlikely, but possible Harvey will walk as to his New York conviction, in which case L.A. is the only chance of keeping him off the damned red carpet. So here's my question, Connor. How really could you assemble a fair jury in a Harvey Weinstein case. Over 90 women have accused him of rape or sexual, uh, other sexual crimes. Everybody on the planet knows this guy is a pig. Right. I, I mean, you could, you'd be better off if you were Lucifer in front of a judge, a, a jury of 12 evangelicals. You'd have a better chance, I think, of being found not guilty than Harvey Weinstein with just 12 folks off the street. And I know that the judge worked hard and the lawyers worked hard. But really, I mean, do you have any confidence that these people don't already have a, such a preconceived notion that Harvey Weinstein is a really, really bad guy? But once again, the judge is allowing not only four or five women who are part of the criminal case, their allegations are the basis of the indictment and the trial, but the judge is also allowing another four or five women who are not part of the case and this is going to expose a conviction to the same kind of jeopardy at the appellate level that we see in New York as well. Yeah, it's it's a problem that arises in a lot of these high profile cases, as you well know, that there may well be no way to field a fair jury under the definition of a fair jury being people who've never heard of the parties involved you can't feel the a, a well, jury that, that isn't i don't think people go so that far because when you've got a you know a rodney king or an oj simpson everybody 
unless you're a total hermit is heard, but they just struggle right. to get people to, to say, I will set aside any preconceived notions and I really will do my best to be fair. That's all you can do. Well, right. Well, in fact, and it's my opinion that it's not all you could do because it's not something that you can do. I think that in this case, either you've got complete wacko hermits who've never heard of Donald Trump, but will be very honest and, and, and forthright and, and fair minded about deciding whether he you know, incited insurrection on January 6th or O.J. Simpson murdered these people, even though uh, I'll, I'll be very fair and honest. I've never watched an NFL game uh, or a naked gun movie uh, or watched the news in the last five years in my life. So it'll be OK. But the problem is then you're self-selecting for a group of, frankly, freaks. How, who doesn't know the president? Who doesn't know O.J. Simpson? Well, well that's why I say I don't think they really try to get people who've never heard right. of O.J. or never heard that O.J. was accused of murder. Right. But I think instead is- they just struggle to get people who will be fairer than the ones who re- really are not going to be fair. Right. So so now we've dispensed with the idea that it's possible to get a jury of people who simply don't know who the who the defendant or. So what's the alternative? Is. Just, the just alternative. no jury trial. I mean, it's a constitutional right. You got to give it to him. Right. <laughs> no, it, it's not that that uh, it's not that you dispense with the jury trial. It's that you dispense with the notion that uh, you can be fair and impartial simply by setting aside your preconceived notions about the people or the topics at hand. We have to admit that we are all some of our experiences, that we cannot shed them, that we cannot dump those experiences and pretend to be impartial in the same way that I I think no judge can be impartial in the way they claim to be because judges are political animals, right? This comes up on this podcast practically every week as we talk about these high-profile cases and the decisions that judges make. They can't be truly impartial in the way that they say that they can. Instead, judges can only and should only strive to use their life experiences, their wisdom and knowledge to come to the right conclusion, even if that right conclusion is informed by, for example, someone's political beliefs, right? If you have a January 6th insurrectionist on trial, uh, or then you, your unbiased jury should include people who have political opinions that affect their judgment in that case. For example, the political opinion that insurrection is generally a very bad thing and shouldn't be done absent some sort of extreme circumstances like the government is, you know, condoning slavery and I have to somehow, uh, you know, stop them or something like that, right? There are extreme circumstances and you've got to have your political, uh, you know, acumen be applied, not set aside. Because if you try to pretend that we are so apolitical or so uh, so so vacant of knowledge and wisdom that we've gathered in our lives, because that is what forms the sum of our political experiences, then you're gonna get either idiots or liars or both. So Harvey Weinstein. You'd better be able to come to the political opinion that women ought to be able to work in Hollywood and every other industry without being sexually harassed as a political belief before you can start weighing in on whether what Harvey Weinstein did. Well, I I hear uh, what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but I just. I, I can't get any sleep these days worried about whether Harvey's going to get a, a fair trial. Fair you know? jury. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, I think the solution is, is ambient. Um, let's go to topic uh, number two, and that is the misclassification fight going federal. Big California fight over uh, whether somebody should be deemed an employee 
or an independent contractor, it's a big deal because if you're an employee, you get overtime and you get minimum wage and you get your insurance benefits. It's back, Jeff, yeah, the famous proposition uh, in California uh, about Uber and Lyft drivers. Yeah, now yeah. the issue arises once more. Yeah, and, and the deal is uh, traditionally, if somebody truly is independent, they don't wear a uniform, they set their own hours, uh, they they work where they want and when they want, Cons traditionally, they're an independent contractor and they don't get all those goodies. So now the California Supreme Court comes along in a case uh, several years ago called uh, Dynamex, and it says, you know, everybody's an employee if their business relates to the business of the person who's hiring them. So for example, a plumber is called to fix a leak at Apple. He's not an employee, he's a plumber. He's not a computer guy. And so he's an independent contractor. But what if you're an insurance agent? An insurance agent who truly is independent in every sense of the word. He works where he wants, when he wants. He goes on vacation 90% of the time. Uh, but he's working in the same field as the folks who hired him. The insurance company hired him to sell insurance. Ergo, he is an employee. So the idiotic thing to me, Connor, is that the courts uh, and the legislature, they're making this rule retroactive. So huge fines, penalties, attorney's fees are assessed against companies who were just following the law as it was described by the courts at the time. I think it's all about wealth redistribution. Uh, you know, your problem is people are losing their jobs and they're losing their freedom, but guaranteeing the few who do keep their jobs, they get their overtime and their minimum wage. So now the new news is the Labor Department under Biden is proposing a rule to reclassify about 20 million Americans who are independent contractors now. But the unions want employees to be deemed employees so they can pay dues. And the Democrats want the unions to vote for them. So I've ranted. You might have a different take on this, so uh, you, you have the floor. Yeah, I, I see this one um, not as some grand plot to, uh, you know, it, it cement the benefits uh, of employ of employment to a select few and uh, damn the consequences and who, who cares whose job is left on the cutting room floor at, once the legislature is done snipping. I think that the uh, move to uh, make a law retroactive is certainly not one that should be undertaken lightly. Um, and I think that that is very risky. I think that there's a lot of danger in um, having a, a law applied um, such that we say, if you misclassified somebody in the past as an, as an independent contractor, um, you therefore uh, should pay these fines and fees. However, it is certainly true that many, 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 many major employers have been purposefully abusing uh, government benefits programs um, and, and other methods of public assistance that people get uh, in order to underpay people who were truly employees, uh, but who were classified as independent contractors. It was a rampant practice, um, and it's, it's still certainly in place despite the Dynamex ruling. I think that the, it's, the Dynamex ruling is just something that it, it's trying to solve a really, really complicated problem with one rule. It's entirely possible that 15, 20, 25, 50 years from now, we will be saying to ourselves, how could we have been so silly as to try to decide that all workers in all industries and in all types of business, uh, at all levels of education, at all levels of this and that, uh, are all applied uh, the same rule uh, as to whether they're an employee or an independent contractor? We, of course, had to subdivide that into 20 different categories. And that is actually what we do in many circumstances. I'll say 
the law is one of them. There, there's a category called exempt employees, where employees who are um, ordinarily, uh, by all accounts, um, uh, the same sort of hourly employee as somebody who checks uh, you out at Walmart, uh, is therefore exempt and doesn't have to uh, uh, be paid according to the same rules, uh, employment law uh, rules like our uh, you know, overtime uh, and, and benefits uh, in the same way. So if you're an executive at Walmart, you don't make an hourly fee and, and you don't if you work overtime, uh, you're in, in, a, in a managerial position, an executive type position. Basically, the legislature has said these are not the folks who, who need our protection in the same way, and therefore they are therefore exempt. But it's really hard to make those granular uh, exceptions uh, on an individual basis, but it's something we may have to do in the future because you're right. It is a silly thing to try to classify everybody who is in the industry uh, that the company is in uh, as an employee automatically. I would say that it's better to do that and err on the side of protecting the employee by granting them more protection under uh, labor law and then back your way out with individual exceptions step by step. So I think I actually would applaud uh, the the law doing that as they seem to be doing. Um, on the other hand, you've got the California proposition system striking again in the Uber and Lyft cases where Uber and Lyft just paid millions of dollars in lobbying. Yay, and, proposition system. And got a bunch of confused people my, to vote the wrong way uh, and basically say that employees, uh, Uber and Lyft drivers are independent contractors and shouldn't get overtime and benefits for no good reason other than that they funded a bunch of nonsense, confusing political ads. So well, it's a nightmare of a, of a classification system that shouldn't be solved by these current processes that we have, it should be solved by government bureaucrats who write a complicated piece of legislation that gets hammered out and passed through the California legislature the way that laws, you know, the way that God intended laws be passed. Well, speaking of, speaking of uh, legislators yes. passing uh, a controversial topic. So when we come back, there's a Berkeley ordinance. It's called a Karen ordinance. Caution against racially exploitative non-emergencies. Nice little Karen acronym. We're going to talk about that when we return. I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up just as the year is winding down. Stick with me. I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And I got to say, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please check us out on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Numerically, that's probably Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, click the join uh, button. Join sounds like a weird word. Uh, but guess what? It means exactly what you don't think it means. It means the episode gets pushed to your phone directly every week. It means that you get uh, to leave us a comment and uh, uh, leave us a rating, and you're part of the team, and we appreciate those comments. Uh, we read them all. Yeah, and, and even, we love every and even if one. you don't aren't enjoying it, unless you absolutely hate it, I would say that everybody else should. Yeah, uh, please rate rage, and subscribe. Rage send our podcast to ten of your closest friends and say, "Oh, these two." 
two idiots. Oh, they are wrong about everything. But listen to them be wrong about everything, and then let's commiserate about it. All right, let's talk uh, Karen in Berkeley. Uh, we all know about the Central Park Karen a few years ago. A white woman is uh, walking her dog. Black guy's walking by saying, you know, you, you got to have him on a leash. She calls 911. There's a black man threatening me. Oh. And oh my gosh, she got she got canceled. She lost her job. I don't know if she got sued, but she got what was coming to her because she was just really out of line. So Berkeley's not going to take this phenomenon lying down. They're saying that okay, nine one one calls are important. They save lives and catch crooks, rapists, and murderers. But um, we want to make sure that uh, there's no racism going on on these nine one one calls. I have a little concern about this. Do we really want people in society to get the notion that if they call and mention the race of the perpetrator, they're going to be sued and branded a racist? But that's kind of the direction uh, that Berkeley is going. Um, plus, do we really need this law? We already have laws against defamation and fraud and invasion of privacy and false police reports. Uh, what's your thought, Connor? Uh, how do you feel about uh, Berkeley's latest great idea? Yeah, the question of whether we need this law, whether we already have laws that would somehow cover uh, the fact that people have the power by calling 911 and and sicking law enforcement on someone they don't like. Um, if we already have laws that cover that, then are we just sort of piling on in a, in a politically expedient uh, or productive way that doesn't actually improve society and make our lives better? I don't know. It's tough to say I, because we don't have in front of us the study that shows how many times 911 is called by a, a, a racist who that leads to cops harassing individuals. Uh, unfairly and then that person's life is you know impacted by that interaction with police it's hard to know on a granular level but at the same time the chilling effect is probably going to be extremely minor the odds that somebody in an extreme circumstance uh, uh would decline to call the police because of the fear that the pushback was so extreme will be so extreme to their 911 call that they will you know get canceled yeah, or no, whatever I, I hear you and I, I think you're probably right but by the way i can give you a happy ending to the uh, central park karen story Connor. oh i love this? that the black birder was recently given his own travel show on the national geographic tv network so maybe we don't really need this law. We just need to investigate. And if somebody uh, is being racist or stupid, uh, then the victim of this racism should be given a TV show. That's, I love it. That's my That's idea. a great solution. More people hey, should have travel shows. We're almost out of time. But fortunately, we do have time for Guess the Verdict. Connor, are you, are you psyched up for this case of the peculiar insanity defense? Of course. Okay. James McGrath has been charged with a string of bank robberies here in Los Angeles. His defense is that he stole the money to warn the public of a coming thermonuclear attack by the Japanese. He also said the Lord commanded him to rob banks and God told him to use gloves and disguises. So he goes on trial. He uh, uses an insanity defense, if you can believe that. So, Connor, what's your guess? Did Mr. James McGrath prevail? Uh, not guilty by version ver <laughs> Virtue of insanity, or did he get a less happy verdict? That's a really uh, that's a really interesting one uh, because uh, the the insanity defense is always a strange one as applied. If you try to say uh, to somebody, "Well, your insanity defense doesn't make sense," uh, then the the 
the correct defense to that His might answer be the is my point exactly. exactly. Thank you for the not guilty verdict. <laughs> you proved me right, sir. Of course, it makes no sense. A catch um, twenty-two. Yeah, it's a it's a the good kind though. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a tough one. Um, in this scenario, unfortunately. <laughs> Our poor bank robber is probably going to go down in flames. The guy is trying to say that God uh, happened to tell him to do all the same things that a bank robber ordinarily does, and uh, which which definitely cuts against his I'm insane, I'm irrational, I'm disconnected mm-hmm. from reality defense. If God had told this guy to alert the public by giving all his money to a bank – free free of of any uh debt or obligation that might you know line up with the insanity defense but when your insanity defense uh leads you to do the thing that everybody wants to do anyway the spoilers i secretly want to rob banks because it's very sexy and cool in movies uh then obviously uh the judge is going to be pretty darn skeptical of it well, you're right. The jury actually rejected the insanity defense, and the judge sentenced this fellow to 30 years in prison. Ooh, so, Connor, you're gosh. on a roll. You've uh, you've had at least two correct guesses in a row. So your batting average is better than Aaron Judge's. Uh, two is a streak. Yeah, exactly. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Too Many Lawyers.